When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Great to have you in. Welcome to Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. We'll get to our roll call. I'll call our starting five in a moment. Excited to spend time with Mike Babcock of Hale Varsity and Herdan Sports coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. Evan Bland with us in hour two. Plenty of room for you. We've got a ton to get into. The topic of the right approach. Uh, Glenn Thomas was on the network last night, introduced to Husker Nation. So he had some thoughts on uh, coaching quarterbacks. Uh, Right said Fred, uh, the mayor, uh, had his press session today as uh, we're uh, about 24 hours away from Nebraska-Wisconsin. That's a gotta-have-it ball game for Nebraska. The tone from Fred says as much, and we'll hear from Coach Hoiberg in a little bit. And, uh, yeah, some hot seat rankings are out. But without further ado, we let the floor be opened up for one Elijah Herbal and his uh, incredible bowling team uh, that is number one in the league. It's league championship night last night. And close, uh, close. You're, you're close. It's not league championship. League championship happens at the end of the year. That, that comes in May. So this is just kind of your city. this is this is your Big Ten tournament type seeding deal. Yeah, th- this is this is city championship. So we're talking. Uh, so this is this is just yeah. This is just kind of you, uh, you don't follow soccer enough to understand the champions. I don't. If I ever go to a pro soccer game, I'm going with my boy Teddy. Uh, I will make him take me to 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 Manchester so, and. And and I will drink lots of uh, of, of Newcastle. So let, let's let, let's lay it out. What this is is there's a whole bunch of different leagues in the city. We are in the Tuesday night league at Parkway Lane. Shout, shout out Parkway Lane. Shout out the Tuesday night league. No Great shout burgers. Out, shout out. Um, and and our our league is split into two halves of the season. So we have the first half in which we finished second in the league. My team, uh, which is my dad, my brother, and I. And then uh, we have the second half of the season. Whoever wins the first half of the league plays whoever uh, wins the second half of the league, and that's your, your league champion. The city championship is its own independent week-long tournament, which occurs now, and it's between a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of different leagues. You, you have the option to enter or, or not if you'd like to just have the week off from bowling. Um, but everybody enters in, similar to the Champions League, where the champions of each league in soccer come together and play each other in a, a season-long tournament in the Champions League. Similar to that, a whole bunch of different teams from a whole bunch of different leagues come together and bowl in the city championship. We we merged with another team within our league. So we have three people on our team. They have two. City tournament is uh, is a five man team. So we uh, we played it last night. Had some had some uh, pretty good scores. 
throughout the night, and uh, we woke up this morning to find that we are currently sitting first in, in the city tournament. So, so you got to hang on and hope somebody doesn't surpass you. Yeah, the, the best way to put it, it's, it's, it's week long, so it's very similar to we had the 9 a.m. tea time, and when if we got back to the clubhouse, we first minus place, two. but there's still people yet to tee off. We'll see if our score holds up. We currently have a 30-point lead on second, and I think a uh, just over a 150-point lead when you go down to like fourth place. So it's, it's a good chance we end up at least getting some sort of money. We'll see if we win it or not. But uh, as it currently stands, everyone's chasing us in the city tournament. So if you're listening in Lincoln and your time is yet to come, have some compassion for me. Low scores this week. We got third a couple years ago, and we, we finished uh, at the end of our night two years ago. Uh, we were in first place, and we were overtaken on Friday night mm. by two different teams, and we finished in. in you know what you need to do? That is just start sending drinks. <laughs> I just started showing up to the alley and buy. You, you just you just start sending drinks. Who wants rumplement shots? <laughs> uh, nobody, nobody, nobody wants rumplement. Hey, you, you'd be surprised in the bowling leagues. Uh, our our old boy Scott, who uh, sees us on some of our road shows. That is his poison for us after a hard-fought show. <laughs> Here, boys, here's some mints. <laughs> I'm never going to say no. <laughs> uh, we are on the road this Friday. We are up at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill, the Gretna location, the new Gretna location. We want to see you out there. I wish, I wish, I wish I would have thought ahead because after we get done with the show, Southwest and Gretna play boys basketball it would have been fun to do a southwest gretna basketball game friday night but i did not plan ahead but nonetheless if you're in omaha surrounding region come see the uh, gretna location of herdant sports bar and grill it's awesome uh great food and drink specials and uh, we'll be set up there four to six uh just giving you a shout out there if you're making your way up and uh you're a silverhawk fan from southwest and you're going to go check out the, the Gretna Dragons, great basketball program. Uh, swing on by for a cold one and uh, prime up a little bit before, uh, before tip-off. And if you're deciding between going to that game or bowling in the city bowling tournament, I recommend coming up and seeing us and going and to that go, basketball game. You don't have to bowl this year. It's no, you okay. can just check the score. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So we, we have a lot to get into. It, it is Matt Rule's birthday. And if, if I were to suggest... Uh, and we got a tweet we got to read in a moment. But if I were to suggest, you know, kind of a, a pitch in, what would Husker Nation get Matt Rule for his birthday? I think it would be a very nice bottle of bourbon. Some sipping whiskey there he can enjoy. And I think Rule probably likes a good old steak, right? So a bourbon and a steak, and that sounds like a, a great meal. Otherwise, I got nothing. He's got a quarterback's coach. He's got his five-star quarterback. He is recruiting his butt off for, uh, for, for more rush-edge talent. He's got his defensive coordinator back. He's got a returning offensive line. He killed it in the, um, in, in the portal this year, it looks like, right? Plugging some holes. So, uh, happy 49th. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I would get Matt Rule, and there's got to be something funny that I can throw in here, but it's not coming to me right now. I'm not a great gift giver. That's no, I, I, that's all right. Gift Let's... card? Maybe I'll get Matt Rule a gift card. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Coach, I got you a Husker sweatshirt. 
It's got sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> well, wow, I don't have one of these. Uh, let's uh, get you the starting five and shout out our, our five, our first five in the stream. And always welcome to watch the show, Hale Varsity YouTube, where you can catch us, different uh, social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter, uh, wherever you hear us on the Hale Varsity Radio Network, 489-1240 or 800-825-5865 to get in. Uh, Anthony checks in first. Tuck. In there, second, Chuck. Chuckster in at third. Ken in at four. And uh, Andrew uh, getting in at number five. Uh, Jeff, part of the Boulder Peace Treaty, checks in at six. Brennan, seven. Brennan from the Black Hills. Jeff rounds out uh, the the first eight in the stream. Many more to mention. Patrick, uh, Roger, uh, Anonymous says he's a bench warmer. It's, it's okay. It's all right, Anonymous. We appreciate you uh, jumping in. And then, yes, we got to shout out the artist formerly known as KG Kids for Life. Elijah also, not this Elijah, but another Elijah checks in on the stream. So we're set to go. And just some some thoughts here uh, from Matt Rule. We'll spend some more time uh, on uh, this with Evan Bland. But uh, I said, Matt Rule, I'm talking, of course, quarterbacks coach Glenn Thomas now. And he uh, sat down with Greg Sharp and, you know, a good chat, a good introduction. Uh, and, you know, Glenn Thomas uh, pretty much is uh, loving what Lincoln has, loves his quarterback room, uh, likes the facilities, loves the facilities. And really his impression right now through two weeks, Elijah has been pretty much the work ethic. You can talk about talent you can talk about God-given ability and, and skill set and size and what's the arm strength like, right? Or what's what's the quick blink ability? There's all sorts of traits and skill sets that make guys different. Marino, Elway. I mean, go through the, the, the great quarterback names. And they had a, a lot of the total package, but they had one separator. Marino was quick, quick release. Same with Elway's arm strength and, and, and mobility, Right, uh, Favre never let a turnover bottle him, cl- b- bother him clearly. <laughs> right, it was the gunslinger mentality, or never out of this thing. So those are all great things. But but work ethic is completely uh, what you need, I think, to be part of this locker room. Yeah, you got to have talent. Uh, you've got to kind of hit your your marks as far as what they project for you and what you project for yourself. But from a talent standpoint, you, you can't get there just on natural talent. You've got to be bought into the to the outworking part of this equation as well. And that's what stuck out to me about Coach Thomas talking about his quarterback room. And and Harburg is a worker man, and and I think you're going to be pleased with his role as a Nebraska football fan quarterback or or elsewhere because of his his explosive um, athleticism but also the work ethic and I think you got two quarterbacks that are really gifted really talented really confident but I think they're both and this is your difference your difference in in, in the quarterback room in a lot of college campuses is coachability okay how coachable are these guys? Oh, you got two kids that are coachable that are that are on campus now. I think they have all sorts of upside on top of what they bring in, but I think they're hard workers, and, and I think that is 
incredible. You you hear it from coaches all the time. You want your your best dude to be your hardest worker. Well, if if things come together for Nebraska, I think you're going to have that instance with the most important position in football at quarterback also having your hardest worker. I like that that Glenn Thomas kind of detailed his stops and and how all the, all the the info he's gathered, all the intel and and he's used it and applied it differently per the situation. Right, he's kind of observed, and let's see what the kids can do, what they're good at, what they think they're good at, and then let's let's formulate a plan to, to develop them and get them better. So, uh, pretty good interview uh, last night on the network with Glenn Thomas. He's excited about his quarterback room. You expect to hear that, but I think some of the the things he detailed as to, to the why, why is he excited? You got a work ethic room uh, at a spot that let's be honest, there's been a long line of pretty boys at quarterback that just don't pan out and it doesn't sound like that's what nebraska has in that room i mean i guess you don't really know until those guys step out and sure. get in between the white lines so another part of this conversation that i think is important to note a dynamic that needs to be right and i say this with some some broncos fan history within me is you got to have the team quarterbacks coach be on the same page with a guy's personal quarterbacks coach especially a guy like ryle who's got uh, by all accounts, one of the best in the country. And Jeff he's been coached by some of the best. And, and we've we've heard that there's been conversations between Jeff Christensen and, and Matt Rule, and between Jeff Christensen and uh, and Sat. So you're off to a good start there. But you never really know up until you, you get a guy on the practice field, you get a guy watching film, you get a guy into a season, what that dynamic is actually like. But if you remember back to to Russell Wilson and his time under Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos, there was a major disconnect between what Nathaniel Hackett and his quarterback coaches wanted and between what Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos coaching staff wanted. There was a disconnect there. Sounds like there's a lot of disconnect with Nathaniel Hackett if you look at the athletic article today. Oh, yeah. The, don't get me started on Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> don't, don't get me started there. As much as it's fun to pile on Russ, the fraud, uh, he may have been like, what the hell is this guy teaching me? So... I just want to throw it out there. It's important, especially with a guy that's had some some high-level tutelage throughout most of his life in, in, in Riola. I mean, he's had former NFL quarterbacks to dream. He's got Patrick Mahomes' personal quarterbacks coach. He played for Kitten right in now. high school. Played for Kitten in high school, exactly. <laughs> this guy has played for a lot of guys that know the quarterbacking position well. And if you, you know anything about quarterbacking, it's that every quarterback's a little bit unique and every quarterback needs slightly different coaching in order to get to their level because, you know what, what works for one guy might not work for the other guy at the quarterbacking position. So you want to make sure that there's a good relationship behind the scenes between Christensen and with Glenn Thomas as well as Satterfield and as well as Rule because if you don't have those guys in synergy, if if Ryle is listening to his personal quarterbacks coach and then trying to listen to Thomas and they're telling him two different things, that's the recipe for screwing up a quarterback. So that's one of the things we might not know what that looks like until the season. We might not know what that looks like until a couple years down the road, but you need to have that squared away. What is that relationship between Thomas and, and the Ryola camp like? Because it's not just hey, what can you do for Riola? You have to all be in agreement with everybody who's coaching up a guy like that because a talent like that has a whole bunch of people in his corner, a whole bunch of guys coaching him up. He's trying to get the best possible coaching he can. Got to make sure that's in, in unison. No, and, and that's fair. And, and that is, I mean, and different programs have different policies, right? Because I know uh, Team Magic, uh, our, our dear friend Steve Calhoun, he's one of the top quarterback coaches out in California, armed and dangerous. I mean, we've, we've spent years talking to him, and he's put a lot of guys from Cam Newton to others in the league. These are more so the people that these 
college quarterbacks would work out with during the summer and in the offseason, but you can't have different takes. And and you're a 1,000% right. You can't have a a power struggle. You can't have closed ears towards your coaches that you've got to go win ballgames for on Saturdays. And and only be listening to your your private quarter. Listen, if if the if the the, the paid help that is working with the NFL elite uh, is is going to work with you on X Y and Z, that has had to have been communicated. And you've got some background. You've got a file. You have a starting point, and uh, so important for Nebraska to to get quarterback right moving forward, along with the rest of the offense. You know the domino effect with recruiting. You feel good about the defense. We'll hear uh, more thoughts on Nebraska's big showdown against number six Wisconsin. Thoughts from Fred Hoiberg at 440. Uh, we'll check in with Hale Varsity's Mike Babcock. He's in the green room, and you can watch this interview next on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. So there's some just fabulous comments in today's stream. Hale Varsity YouTube channel can join us there. We'll, we'll get to some folks. <laughs> uh, Dan tweets in uh, at Hale at H uh, Varsity Radio is where you can find the show Twitter. Can you even get drunk off Rumplement? Uh, you can get yes. you can get sick, and it doesn't take you getting drunk to get sick. Fair, right? I mean, it's 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 heinous. We welcome in Mike Babcock <laughs> with uh, Hale Varsity and Heard at Sports. Be part of Babber's uh, newsletter twice weekly. It's Mike B at HerdAtSports dot com. A historical piece that's incredible, and of course, uh, some commentary on what's going on in the Husker world. Babbers, uh, have you ever tried Rumplemints? No, I haven't. Good answer. I'm uh, in the dark on that uh, particular product. It, it, <laughs> it, it kind of tastes like Christmas and regret. Those are the two things. I, I would go with uh, some outdated scope mouthwash. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not looking forward to it, so I probably will not have tried it when we have the next show or the next show or, or the next or show. Or any show. Or any show. <laughs> That's that's a solid answer. That's a great answer. I don't, I don't understand the hate. It's not my favorite because it's but... garbage. I mean, it just it makes your your neck pop. You know the scene in in uh, uh, in, in Dumb and Dumber where they get pulled over and the officer drinks you know Lloyd's beer by mistake or on purpose by mistake, and how the neck just twists and quivers. That's what happens every time you take a shot of Rumplemint. Well, it's 100 proof. What are you expecting? It's just, it's gasoline, man. It's just bad. You can't do it. What's well, a staple at the Tuesday Night Bowling League? So, well, <laughs> so no hate, no hate. Aim for the middle pin. Both of them. Okay. And we uh, have a uh, Montana Husker fan chiming in saying, a Rumplemint's bender ended his drinking career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we have it. Uh, Rumplemint's has come up somehow, some way. So, Mike, uh, what is the most important thing for a quarterback coach? We were talking about Glenn Thomas's introduction to Husker Nation on last night's network show. I enjoyed that interview. What makes a good quarterback's coach, Babbers? Well, I think you guys covered it. I think communication, because you've got so many people involved these days 
in the quarterback. You've got to have communication among all these people. And if you can establish that communication so that there's not the confusion, that the quarterback doesn't have confusion of one person is saying this, one person is saying this, one person is saying this, um, I think you've got an opportunity then to, to be able to coach up a player uh, of his ability. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, has to, it has to fit Matt Rule's system, right? I mean, you, you, ultimately, that's where it needs to go. Um, but you've got multiple people that have to sign on to this kind of thing and work with each other, in a sense, in order for this to be successful. I think you guys hit it on the head there um, when you talked about that. Communication to me is the bottom line. Um, it's a different kind of a thing now than it used to be back in the day. You know, you didn't have <laughs> personal quarterback coaches and, and uh, um, you came in and you, you know, was the assistant coach on the staff and the, and the head coach. And that was it. It's Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and, and Mike, whenever you look at that that change with Glenn Thomas, like, I guess the, the best way to phrase this question is, is his job to not screw up Riola? Is that is that the job at its heart? Um, I don't think you'd present it to him that way. I mean, I think that... Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not the sit-down at Denny's when they're talking numbers. And, you know, your job is first, too... So imagine, yeah. that's, that's your job description whenever you sign the contract. Don't screw them up. That's it. <laughs> One line. No, I don't think so. I, I think his job is to teach. You know, I think that's that's with any coach. I think you have to teach. And I think that, uh, you know, the Riola or any quarterback that's working with, with Thomas that has to be in a, a mindset that, hey, I'm going to learn from this guy. I'm going to learn something um, each day. And, it, you know, you get better – by a small percentage each day, that they, they talk about that. You don't, you know, Riola doesn't come in or Harburg doesn't come in and just automatically, you know, I've got all the talent and everything that we need. Just don't screw me up and we'll be successful. You know, I don't think they have the mindset. If they do have the mindset, that's somebody that you might encourage to get into the transfer portal because I don't think that's going to that's gonna work. You know, you have to be willing to learn. And I, you know, I think that you've got uh, quarterbacks that are willing to do that, and you have people that are willing to teach them. And if they communicate with each other, I think you have a pattern for success. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity and Heard at Sports Babbers. Uh, want to shift gears to the NCAA versus Tennessee football, and apparently now the state of Virginia as well. Uh, this thing's a powder keg here. Uh, they are trying to target. Tennessee for repeated NIL violations and both attorney generals here uh, we're, we're talking tip of the iceberg is how much of a mess NIL and this new college football world is when it comes to, to regulation for the NCAA yeah I think you've got to just turn it into uh, yeah the coaches can be involved schools can be involved in using this thing as an inducement because I don't know how you're going to I don't know how you're going to control it. I mean, you, you, it's out of the bag. You're not going to get it pushed back in the bag. And you're, you know, the NCAA, it seems like, because I've read some stories about the Tennessee situation, it seems like 
you know, the, the guidelines have changed and they continue to change. And the NCAA was uh, uh, going to say, well, we're, we're going to look for major violations. There are minor violations that are going on, but we're not going to ignore. We're going to ignore those kind of things. We're going to go to the to the big things. And yet the big things are just as changed from one thing to another as the as the small things are. It seems to me from what is being said. But, you know, I don't know. I, I think you could look at just about any school and say, uh, hey, you know, there's some involvement here by alumni or, a, you know, NIL organization or whatever. Um, how do you separate that? It, it's there, you know? I mean, even if you're saying that you can't use that as a recruiting thing, it's it's there. It gets written about. People, you know, people know how much money is involved in these things. Um, you know, uh, and I just, I don't know. It's it's a way above my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, you thought it, should have thought of these things before you opened up this NIL thing and had some restrictions or some guidelines set up before you jump in the water. And uh, they just jumped in, and now here here's where we are. Yeah, Mike. Um, what, what's, I, what's what's strange oh. is is you're enforcing rules for NIL, but. I didn't even know there was rules for NIL. And I say that sort of kiddingly because there's been some regulations in place, but hasn't felt like anyone has followed them. Hasn't felt like there's been any follow through from the NCA on, on making sure schools follow it. But I mean, it feels like Tennessee's in a worse spot than, than Michigan is for their sign stealing. And, and that doesn't feel like it should be right. <laughs> it feels on par with it the does. NCAA. Yeah, oh, no, I, I agree. I, I just think it's, so nebulous you know what what we know about this nil thing is so the restrictions on the nil thing are so nebulous that i don't think it's fair to the schools i think you know in this case i I think i'm on the on the side of tennessee because i don't think that they're operating in a system that is clear-cut that you understand you're on this side of the line or you're on that side of the line it's, it's just you can't identify. You don't know. And then all of a sudden, the NCA steps in and says, well, you're you're on the wrong side of that line, so you're going to be punished for it. Again, right? Yeah, I you're you're going to get hit twice. I think the funniest thing yeah. that, that could be a, a potential here is that Tennessee was again delivering NIL money in McDonald's bags. If they were doing that again, I, I think I would just lose it. That would be the funniest possible <laughs> outcome to this story. Matt, <laughs> Big Macs with money on them, you're saying? I mean, that's pretty much... Wasn't that the way they got busted for before? Was that they were giving, like, kids food in McDonald's bags, but it, it wasn't it was just the a bag full of cash? SEC Happy Meal Babbers. <laughs> oh, the, okay. <laughs> and it was a different prize inside. Trademark that. Yeah, now. don't give me a little bobblehead thing. Give me some money. <laughs> yeah, I don't need Grimace on a skateboard. Uh, <laughs> I need some, <laughs> some, some cash. I need some cold hard cash. I need some missed grants. Lots of cash. I believe in this in this story that would make the NCA the Hamburglar. <laughs> they probably are. <laughs> uh, Babbers, uh, big game for Fred in Nebraska tomorrow. We'll we'll hear from Coach Hoiberg here next segment. But his tone and his demeanor have been pretty consistent after road losses, kind of that 6,000-yard stare. He's ticked off is how I'm reading the body language, and he should be. 
and and he voiced it as much. I mean, he said, when it gets harder, we get softer from a response standpoint with the adversity and in, in playing physical teams. And, and they went hard uh, the last couple of practices. Good, but can Nebraska – can Nebraska be be that team? Can they be a, a, a junkyard to- dog team away from home or even tomorrow against Wisconsin, a team that loves to be physical? Well, I think they're going to need to be. Yeah. I think it, because it's at home against Wisconsin, I think they can be. I think that can. I think Nebraska has the chance there. The question is then: the next two games are on the road at a at a ranked Illinois team. At a Northwestern team that hadn't lost a home game yet um, in the conference. And then you got a couple of home games again. And then you finish up your last two road games are against two teams that are at the bottom of the league, Ohio State and um, Michigan. Okay. So you'd think if you can get that grit that you need and you've got those road games down the line, if you can just be tough against Illinois, be tough against Northwestern, give them a shot, don't get blown out, um, I think you still have a reason to to feel optimistic. But, you know, we talked about this last week, you know, and what happens. They go out and they don't do so well on the road. Um, you, you, you've got to translate what happens at home on the road, and, I, and, and if, I'm not sure how you do that, but that's what has to happen if this team is gonna, gonna be a, a successful to the degree that people expect it to be. You know, it's still, it, you're still 15 and six. Sure. Big stretch, uh, next couple of games. Tomorrow, PBA 730 BTN. Babbers will check in next week. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, guys. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you. Open phones here till 5-489-1240 or 800-825-5865. Get the podcast. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hail Varsity. The entire show or just the segments you want to hear. And the full show on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Reminder to get buckled up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Uh, we'll get to some of your stream questions here or comments because they're quite quite funny. They're always awesome. Uh, but they're funny uh, today and, and usually uh, all the time. You got NU Grandpa checking in from Chattanooga. Uh, it feels like Tennessee outside, minus the, the NCAA threat, uh, which is good. Uh, this was pretty good. Uh, Montana Husker fan got in on Rumplements earlier, uh, used the uh, Hale Varsity mug. Uh, so Montana Husker got in top 15, which was good. As we always do, roll call to start the show. I want you to be a part of that brian I, I love how he monitors our productivity uh going into the show and, and and then between breaks is how we're slacking off in studio pretty good crew off the top rope on your bowling championship elijah mickey mouse championship it sounds like as elijah and 
his family are, are vying for the city championship. Come he, and see me at the lanes then, huh? He also mentions that you're a communist because you like soccer. <laughs> No one wants to hear your sock. Wants to hear soccer and you communist. I'm lost. Fighting uh, words. I, I, That's just back to back fighting words. A little bit. I, I'd, I'd pay to see that. Uh, fighting, <laughs> wor- uh, fighting words for for Fred Hoiberg today. Well, uh, you just just inspired a great hail varsity, the the the, the hail varsity throwdown. Christian Elijah against listeners. No. We can team up. Tag team it fine but why would we subject ourselves to 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 physical beatings opposed to just the verbal for the joy of the listeners ah we we do it all for the listeners sure right so why not get our uh, get an ak (laughs) or a lawsuit maybe maybe elijah snaps and loses it and the uh, the old offensive tackle comes out again that's why everyone signs a waiver Uh aha it's it's a win-win for everybody sure We we can even open up the bets i'll i'll bookie it Okay. Well, well, there we go. The, I'll set the lines. The the House of Elijah <laughs> bookmaking business. Uh, fighting words, though, and uh, Fred Hoiberg chimed in. We'll go to a little basketball because it is monumental tomorrow. And before we hear from Fred, can this team be what they need to be? Like, th- there's been too many instances of them going fetal position on the road. You've not seen it at home. Clearly, there's worry because of how good Wisconsin is and the style they play. So, for for a game, can Nebraska rise up at home with crowd and energy and a, and a full PBA? Sure. Can they win tomorrow? Sure. Uh, I think they are feeling a little pressure, to be honest, uh, because of, of this stretch they're on. They've always snapped out of it at home. But a little bit longer comment from Fred. It started out with... You know, how's Jawan doing? And then he kind of opened up with, well, it was hell week uh, for Big Red Basketball because it was time to get physical. Jawan, he made it through a lot of practice today. And, um, you know, hopefully he uh, he feels good in the morning and we'll get another opportunity tomorrow to see how he doesn't shoot around and uh, and see if we can get something out of him. You know, if he is available, uh, we're going to be careful. We're probably not going to have him out there, you know, in a 30-minute stint if uh, if he does play, but hopefully get him back. Uh, obviously, from a physicality standpoint, he helps us in a big way, and that's uh, that's that's been the knock on our team, rightfully so, is we're not consistent enough in the physicality department. We've had three really, really tough days in a row, and I really didn't care what their loads looked like. We've got the analytics and the sports science department, and I pay a lot of attention to that. We're very fortunate to have them, but when they sit, laid out a load plan for me, I crumpled it up and I threw it in the garbage and I said, we, we need to go, we need to go hard and we need to go physical. And that's exactly what we've done the last three days. I, I don't care what their legs are like tomorrow. We had to get after it. And, you know, I, the coaches old football pads, we were just short of going out and doing that. So, you know, we'll see how we respond to it tomorrow. I know these guys are sore, uh, but again, I really didn't care. We got 10 games left and we need to get right and more uh, consistent from a physicality standpoint. If we don't, it's going to be a bad second half of the Big Ten season. So, you know, hopefully we'll get Juwan back on the floor soon, uh, get everybody right, and, uh, you know, if it has to be shorter stints tomorrow, then so be it. But, you know, it's a a big game, big opportunity, but I just felt we needed three really tough days of practice to get our minds wrapped around what teams are saying about us right now. 
that is a great challenge. Here's what people think. Here's what you are on the road. Here's what we're going to do about it, and we're going to beat the hell out of one another. Some comments. Uh, big thanks to AZ Husker. Shout out $5 tip to us in the stream. Uh, he mentions the Wickenburg hat I'm wearing. Uh, I have never had the pleasure of golfing there. This is my late father's hat, and he loved that course. So thank you for the mention, AZ Husker. Uh, Montana Husker fan wants me to, 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 to get hammered on rumple mints. If I got hammered, what would I bet? The mortgage on, would I bet the, the Huskers go dancing? I will let you know <laughs> on Friday afternoon. <laughs> All right? That's, that's the best thing I can do. I, I'm not wussing out Montana Husker fan, but I will have more clarity. That means as of right now, no. No, I don't think they do. They got to win tomorrow, and then they got to split the next two. They got to go two and one. I don't think two and one's necessary. Two, two, and, and, two and two in their last four, right? Maryland, Wisconsin, Illinois, and at Northwestern. Go two and two there, I'm good. Well, I just look at, at this four-game stretch here with Maryland, I don't, Wisconsin, here, Illinois, and Northwestern. One and three in that four-game stretch already being 0-1. One and three keeps you on the bubble. That's fine. But any, it, any, anything less, if you lose all of them, you're off the bubble in a bad way. If you can get to two and two, I think you're off the bubble in a good way for now. Three and one, if you can win your next three, which I don't think they're going to do. No. Uh, but if you get three wins out of three, you're off the bubble permanently. You are into the NCAA. Tournament. I don't trust this team to, to not lose focus and have one of those, oh, we are going to look for fouls and not play physical basketball. At home, even against a, a Rutgers or a Penn State or a Minnesota, I just—they uh, have been showmen. They have been incredible uh, in big moments against some monster teams this year. But it, it's like they're kind of buying into it, and and they've stopped doing the dirty work. Uh, they need Juan back to help do some of that dirty work. But above all. You've got a couple of guys that just need to take care of the damn basketball. I mean, we'll, we'll get some more Fred here as the show moves forward. Brennan chimes in. Nebraska basketball is like my former Tinder dates. At home, they're real and reliable. <laughs> but as soon as I leave home, they're uh, uh, not existent or a complete letdown. The one difference between Husker basketball and, and Tinder dates, at least from my perspective here, is I want the Husker basketball team to be a bunch of dudes. I don't want you know the what? person You're I'm tinder- texting on Tinder to be a bunch of dudes. You don't <laughs> want Margo to show up with a neck beard and a scarf. Agreed. Uh, hour two coming up. We'll wind down this first hour at Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. More from Fred Hoiberg next hour. Evan Bland on some big red football and some hoops in the 5 o'clock hour, open phones at 525 for you at Jock Doc. And uh, Mr. Pat Mac- McAfee and the Big Yeti connect today. We'll have an excerpt from uh, the McAfee show. What, what, with, the Big Yeti? That's the nickname for Travis Kelsey. With since when? Since that's what his brothers called him on his podcast forever. Yeah, I'm not with that. No? No. All right. I, I mean, 
It's just, it doesn't he didn't fitting. name himself. I know, but whenever I think of it's the not Big like, Yeti, I don't think of Travis it's not, Kelsey. It's not T-Bone and Costanza in the Seinfeld episode where he starts crying because he can't get the, the nickname. They were going to call him Coco, and he wanted T-Bone. And the big conference room, he started crying. You're looking at me funny. You haven't well, this, seen that, Seinfeld? No, but no, I haven't. But as a, as a, a firm Yeti slash Bigfoot believer, whenever I think of a Bigfoot or a Yeti, I don't necessarily think of Travis Kelsey. It's just not the best. Isn't he like six seven, tight end? I mean, big dude. Big dude, but he's not big. Bigfoot's reclusive. Bigfoot <laughs> hides back in the woods. He doesn't want to be. Isn't the center Bigfoot of attention. agile and athletic for his size? Yeah, but but Bigfoot doesn't want to be the center of attention, and Travis Kelsey has been the center of attention for most of his football career. Has he wanted that? There's a reason there's so few Yeti sightings, and it's because they stay back. Just, and they stay I, away I don't from care. They right? bury it's their not, dead. It's not real. All right, just break it, break it to you. There is no Bigfoot. Harry and the Hendersons was just a movie, and I loved it. John Glithgow was incredible. Let's tell you about do, do volleyball. Do pro your own research, man. Volleyball. It's uh, pro volleyball time. Supernova's back in action Saturday, February 3rd against uh, the San Diego uh, Mojo. I about said San Diego. The San Diego Mojo. Six o'clock, CHI. Get there. World class talent. And, of course, uh, the energy, the family atmosphere, the friends. Get to know this team. And don't wait. Be a part of history. Get logged on for single match tickets or your season tickets, supernovas.com. That's supernovas.com. And the roster is full of Olympians, national champions, uh, world-class volleyball. It's pro volleyball. Be a part of it and uh, be there on Saturday at 6 against San Diego. CHI with the Omaha Supernovas. Interesting story here we'll get to next hour as we're running out of time from our friends at Zillow and uh, what NFL player slash personalities you would want most as your neighbor. We'll ask Evan Bland coming up. Anybody you would want, if you could draft a, a, a sports figure neighbor, who would it be? Easy, easy. Elway? No, Tim Tebow. That really? would be the best next-door neighbor ever. Okay. Tim Tebow would be the type of guy that would shovel you out at 5 in the morning just to be a nice guy. Okay, fair. I'm easily picking Tim Tebow. He's a nice family man. He's not going to throw any loud, crazy parties. You know he's going to stop by and have a beer and maybe grill out with you. That's the type of guy Tim Tebow is. He seems down to earth mm. and just like a good next-door neighbor. He'd lend you a pound of sugar if you needed it, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Tebow's a... a, a, a Good call, I guess. I was thinking more Chuck Barkley. Uh, that's a good I think Chuckster too. would be incredible. Uh, he's no longer with us. We missed talking to him. The pirate would have been great. He would have been fantastic. Pirate, hey, pirate, you want to go fishing? Yeah, okay, I'll bring the beer. You, uh, we're using your boat again? Sure. And uh, away to Key West you go. Another interesting question here is, which sports figure would you least like to live next to, and why is it Antonio Brown? <laughs> <laughs> Nudity? I don't know. <laughs> Nudity? That's about it. Uh, hour two coming up at Tail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. 
Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland OWH on Twitter. Evan, some thoughts uh, to get into on Nebraska football, Coach Glenn Thomas, and some Husker hoops and Big Red Baseball, all of that. But first and foremost, uh, I want to ask you about this recent Zillow survey. They asked uh, what, uh, what neighbor would most Americans want to live next door to? And yeah. if you can... <clears throat> Think of the sports world. Uh, what what uh, what neighbor would you pick? What what sports figure or athlete or coach would you want to be uh, be neighbored up with? Oh boy! Uh, you know, I'll put out one of my favorite athletes of all time. I'll throw Tim Duncan out there. I mean, he's he's going to be pretty quiet. He's going to uh, <laughs> you know do all the fundamentals of home ownership. He's going to keep a good lawn. If, uh, you know, I need my gutters cleaned, he's right there. He's seven feet and <laughs> it just very approachable history of success. He's not working every day. I think that'd be a great neighbor to have. Okay. And yeah. I, I like you and I are on the same page is that there's a lot of cool people you could live next to Evan, but I want to have peace of mind in my own home. Like living next to someone famous is cool every once in a while, but for the most part, I want a neighbor that is clean keeps to themselves for the most part, is quiet. Like, I don't want to be calling the cops on my famous sports star neighbor because now I'm in TMZ and stuff. Like, you're, <laughs> you're on the right page here. Yeah, I mean, you could go, like, Johnny Manziel or something, but, like, I just, you know, I'm not sure what the day-to-day is going to be like in those kind of situations. <laughs> yeah, give me some consistency, a little bit of quiet. You know, I don't want a, bit, a, lot, of, a lot of turnover in that house. He strikes Tim Duncan strikes me as a guy who would – stay in the same place like he did with the Spurs for all those years. So, uh, yeah, give me that consistency. Zillow's reveal says the most desirable neighbor of 2024 is Travis Kelsey, Hmm. followed by Patrick Mahomes, and then Odell Beckham. Evan, uh, we have Chuck chiming on the the stream saying the athlete he'd least like to live next door to is OJ. Do you have an athlete you'd least (laughs) like to live next to? OJ, that's good. That's, that's what I said during the break. That's really good. I, I don't know that I can top that. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I personally I, said I, Antonio you know, Brown. The, the, you talk about peace of mind. There's none of that there. And, and like, what are you talking about over the fence? Like, you know what you want to talk about, but no, I, Juice, you can't use my hedge clippers <laughs> <laughs> or my gloves. <laughs> Allegedly. That's great. No, that's perfect. No, OJ, those, these gloves won't fit you. You can't use them. <laughs> Man, uh, 30 years later, it's still awesome. Yeah, I, I, or not. I personally said Antonio Brown, but I think OJ is the elite answer here. Antonio Brown, that's good, too. Doggone. Um, I mean, there, there, are, there are quite a few, unfortunately, that you could probably get to. But uh, yeah, I, I think OJ, I mean, I'll go with OJ. I'm going to adopt that answer. That's perfect. Um, Steve for the win and a Kornikova. Okay, he that's who he'd live next to, and good on you, Steve, for for bringing tennis to the forefront of Hale Varsity Hour Two. Uh, football is where we go now. Uh, Rule is celebrating how tonight? Probably a bourbon and a steak. Uh, birthday number forty nine. Yeah, yeah, probably. Speaking of neighbors, he'd be a good one to have too. I think he'd be, uh, you know, he'd be chatty, and engaging, but like knows when to like read social cues and move on. So I think you could put him in that mix too. 
<laughs> Read social cues. I love that. What did you think of uh, Glenn Thomas's introduction to Nebraska last night? Was on the network and had a pretty lengthy interview with uh, with Greg. And uh, you know, we we kicked off the show talking about this, and it, it, he said all the right things, but I think he said some important things. And, and Evan, the the quarterback work ethic is something he highlighted that I think is is uh, going to be big for the Big Red here this spring and beyond. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to your, to your point, like he said all the right things. He was excited about being here, and the facilities and the fan base were more than he expected. But, I mean, I, I tried to kind of key in a little bit more on what he's talking about with what how he'll approach that quarterback position moving forward. And he was complimentary of uh, Dylan Riola and Daniel Kalin. He knew a little bit of Riola when they were both in the <clears throat> Phoenix area a couple years ago, uh, you know, at different levels of football. Um, hadn't met Henrik Harburg before either, but, um, you know, I thought what he said when he was asked about intangibles uh, with the quarterback, what makes a good quarterback, he said intangibles. And it talks about Matt Ryan, who maybe at, with the Atlanta Falcons when he worked with them there, didn't have the biggest arm, wasn't the most athletic guy around, but had a knack for getting the football out when it needed to get out and where it needed to go. And they built an offense around that. And so, you know, I, I think his emphasis on identifying skill set, on getting to know players, identifying what they like to do, what they feel like they're good at doing, and then starting to build an offense around them is apt for what the, the situation that Nebraska is in, because I do think the three scholarship quarterbacks that I just mentioned do have different abilities, different skill sets, different strengths. And so that's going to be one of his main tasks over the course of the next however many months is going to be to uh, get to know these guys on a personal level, on a, on a skill talent level, and then assess and game plan accordingly. And so I, he had a line too about, identifying or acknowledging what players are good at and then majoring in that. I think that's a key approach as Nebraska is moving forward. So somebody who is has the experience, again, working with NFL quarterbacks, working with 18-year-old true freshmen like he did at Arizona State and now is doing again at Nebraska, I think he, he strikes me as a guy who knows how he wants to communicate, and right now he's in the information gathering phase with his new quarterbacks in his room. Evan, one of the unique parts of, of this job for Glenn Thomas, which I brought up back in hour one, is it's it's pretty unique to him when you look across the college football landscape of all assistant coaches, is that Glenn Thomas, he's got to work kind of hand-in-hand hand with personal quarterbacks coaches, and I particularly think of, of Jeff Christensen, his work with Riola. Not many coaches across the country have to do like Like, Donnie Riola doesn't have to go to these uh, his linemen's individual position coaches and, and work with them and make sure they have a plan for development. But that is something Glenn Thomas has to do whenever you look at the history of Ryle and the high-level quarterbacks and quarterback coaches he's worked with is in order to, to not screw them up, you have to make sure that your plan is also hand-in-hand hand with the plan of a personal quarterback's coach. I want to get your thoughts on how, how we from the outside can evaluate how that is working. Is that just coming down to how well Ryola plays in the field? Is there anything we can look for in press conferences, reading in between the lines? How can we see if that relationship behind the scenes is a relationship that's working out? Well, I think there needs to be some level of collaboration. If you have a quarterback who's working with a private trainer, um, you know, between that person and their position coach at a college, uh, you know, I, I think when you're talking about working with a trainer, oftentimes it's 
mechanical stuff. It's throwing motion, it's footwork, it's release point, all this stuff. Um, whereas with the position coach, there's certainly that as well, but it's, there's also a lot more about the offense and how you are processing um, your reads and how are you going through that. And, and that, that can be a little different depending on the offense that you're in. And so that's where, and Glenn Thomas said this in his radio interview, they're starting from square one when it comes to learning the offense right now because Rail is a, a, a brand-new enrollee. Glenn Thomas has been on staff for two weeks, and so they're going to be going through that learning process together. Uh, what Thomas and Raiola have more of a working base of knowledge in right now is the mechanics of it. I mean, you know, Thomas, Glenn Thomas could talk to any quarterback in the country and, and probably have thoughts on how they should throw or, or go through the mechanics of it. Raiola's been working with trainers and, and you know, had interactions with former NFL quarterbacks for most of his childhood because of his dad. So I, I think that's the area where there's going to need to be more communication up front just to get on the same page of where they are. And I think when you talk about evaluating it, uh, you know, there's, there's not a ton of, um, I guess, touch points for that other than games and seeing that, yeah, the, the mechanics maybe are where you need them to be. The throws are, are accurate. There's confidence in what he's doing. I think we've all seen quarterbacks through the years at Nebraska and elsewhere who have gone through mechanical changes. And it's pretty evident uh, that there's just no consistency, no repeatability in those deliveries. And so I think that's probably what I would look for is just that uh, ability to do it over and over again at a consistent level. Nebraska talks about wanting its quarterbacks to hit a completion rate of at least 60% every season. So I think that's probably a benchmark I'd look at to start. Evan, uh, signing day 2.0 a week from today. And how do you feel uh, with Nebraska as we loom towards that day? Keona White, a big edge rusher, uh, has Nebraska in his final three. And any surprises, uh, in your opinion, or additions you think could be a reality for Nebraska in, in about a week? It's not seeming that way right now. You know, you mentioned Will Hyde. I think he, we, we had it on our site today. It looks like he'll be announcing somewhere within the next week, maybe not even waiting until signing day uh, a week from now. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But as, you know, as far as I can tell, that's kind of the only line they have in the water, so to speak, right now. Um, certainly the staff has shown a willingness over this last month to – beat the bushes a little bit and to to check in on some different prospects that may not have signed in the early cycle. But I think ultimately just the reality with the roster numbers, the work that they did in December to, to shore up uh, this class, both out of the high school ranks and then through the transfer portal, didn't leave them a ton of wiggle room on the back end. And, and again, typically it, it, kind of the reality of it now is that most of the impact players that you're going to see have already signed somewhere. So you never say never with recruiting. Something could always, uh, you know, fall through. But at this point, it looks like Nebraska is probably going to stand pat, and I think they're pretty happy with the haul they have coming in. Evan, whenever you, you look at that haul that's coming in, I mean, the, the, the benefit of Will Height is that it's at a position where the Husker coaching staff is showing a willingness to put young guys on the field, and you think that's that's an interesting potential development. It's maybe Will Height can get some early playing time, but I want to get your thoughts whenever you look at that class and based on early reports we're hearing out of winter conditioning. What other spots do you think there there could be a a path to early playing time for some of these players based on the history we've seen? I know it's only one year under Rule and his staff, but also based on team need. 
Well, you know, I think long-term this class uh, might be remembered for the offensive line talent it brings in. I think, you know, from Grant Bricks to Preston Tamua to, uh, you know, on down the line, like there are a number of players there that you feel like long-term could be really multi-year starters for Nebraska, especially when that offensive line really turns over before the 25 season. Uh, You know, shorter term, it feels like it's a class where you could see some freshman breakthrough at wide receiver. I think, uh, you know, Ja'Cory Barney is a guy that you can look at who could make a leap right away. Um, you know, there, there are others, I think, on, on, this, on, the, on that class, too. When you look at just that position group in general, it's a really young group. But you've got, uh, you know, Isaiah Nayor, who's back there now, Jamal Banks, both transfers will be uh, instant impact guys. But I think you could see a freshman there, much like we saw with Malachi Coleman last year and, and others. So that's probably one area I would look at. Um, you know, the, the kind of the pass rushing jack line spot we saw some success last year with guys like prince will and cam lenhart so you, you look at a guy like willis mcgahee maybe as somebody who could come in right away i mean he had some monster numbers out of miami uh, high school um just getting after the quarterback and being disruptive that's someone who you would think could maybe come in early um but uh, you know defensively there's i think there's a lot of depth on nebraska right now uh, middle linebacker is a spot. I think that'll be curious what the depth turns out to be there. Um, but I think it'll be hard to crack the starting lineup or the, the you know the, the the number ones so to speak on that side. And then you know on the other side you will see a number of new faces. Dante Dowdell at running back. I know he's not a freshman, but a second year guy and a new player in the lineup. Uh, you would think he's got to be one of the odds-on favorites for some major time and and obviously a certain five-star quarterback that everybody's aware of has a pretty good chance to uh, make an early impact as well. So that's kind of where I would start. I think it's actually encouraging that there aren't a lot of areas where you point to and say Nebraska needs a true freshman to come in and start there. I think it speaks to the depth that they're building um, more than it does any sort of lack of star power. Um, you know, Carter Nelson would be another example of a guy, even though he's not enrolling early, who could potentially get some looks. Um, but I, I, I think the team's in a, in a healthier spot than it's been in a while when it comes to asking some of these guys to do stuff right away. Evan, about 30 seconds, uh, Nebraska baseball. And, you know, what as, as you've kind of got things kicked off with Big Red Baseball, What's going to be a, a early strength, or what could be an early strength? Again, short turnaround here, but uh, what's a strength for this baseball team here as, as Will takes the reins here and, and goes into year five? Well, I think it'll be pitching depth. I mean, that kind of it's, it's kind of weird to say because they don't have a definite starting rotation out there right now, uh, but I, I do think they have a number of starters that, that they'll figure out as they go, probably starting with through Christo, Will Walsh, maybe Brett Sears. And then uh, maybe the deepest bullpen they've had in recent memory. I mean, four or five guys who've been closers at the college level, um, some experience. They brought in a really strong junior college class. That's where I would start. I think that the offense will be different. It won't be maybe as powerful, but a little bit more dynamic. But I would start with the pitching and the depth that they have. We'll uh, dive a little further into to Husker baseball next time, Evan. But uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Good to spend a few minutes, and thanks for taking time with us today. Thanks, guys. All right, Evan Bland with us, and find him on Twitter at Evan Bland, O-W-H, and, uh, of course, read him with the World Herald. 
couple of things more of your comments on who you do and who you don't want to be your neighbor from the sports world and uh, McAfee and yeah even a little Mahomes this afternoon we'll tell you about it next and now and now back to Hale Varsity Radio some more of your stream comments here on Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, numbers 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. To reset the uh, Zillow listing, and we asked Evan Bland this, your comments have been insightful and entertaining. Uh, Chuck Barkley is who I draft as the person I'd most want as my neighbor. I said OJ during the break on record to Elijah as who I'd least want from the sports world as my neighbor. Uh, We've had a couple of OJ suggestions. Chuck was in with that from the stream. Brennan, uh, thankfully, unless he is haunting you, Brennan, Aaron Hernandez is is, uh, a good suggestion, but something you don't have to worry about, uh, thankfully. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, you know, Steve was right in there with uh, Anna Kornikova. Uh, Matthew says Ben Hartsock. Now, here's a question. Would you want to or not want to live next to Mike Tyson? I think Mike's great. Does he still have his Tigers? That, I, I'd assume so. I'd assume so. And it sounds like he no longer has a drug problem, which really helps you in terms of the, the next-door neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Factor. That's always Brennan nice. also says Kirk Cousins. Not necessarily because of Kirk, but because of his wife. And, in and, what way? And Brennan's not... <laughs> getting uh, uh, chauvinistic here. There's no snout on Brennan. He just says, look, his wife makes some fantastic meals and desserts. Clearly, he watched the quarterback documentary on Netflix. Yeah, Cousins, I mean, they've got the uh, the old treehouse and swing set, and it's, it's a normal home, other than the fact Captain Kirk makes a boatload of money. Yeah, yeah. He drives a minivan. Maybe you get invited up to go see his uh, his high school choir trophy room. Right. And uh, that is something he's very proud of because it's the only trophy he's got. Extreme tenors. Uh-huh. <laughs> As you throw the bones. <laughs> that's, that's awful. Uh, let's hear from Fred Hoiberg. All right. A little bit more from Fred. We'll have more tomorrow on Nebraska v. Wisconsin. Huge ball game and... Uh, Fred laid it out pretty well with the the word is out. Nebraska's soft, and they get soft when adversity hits on the road. It can't be a reality tomorrow. Uh, Fred talked cut six here about the formulas for success, and he's pretty adamant. And again, I look at his his. I listen to his tone. I listen and watch his pressers, and I mean it is ramping up pressure wise. This team's better. Than they've than they're showing. I mean, they are what they are, and they're not the '89 Pistons. Totally not. But they are good enough offensively, and they've had uh, big shot moments. They've had big game moments where they they have been clutch at home. They've found ways to win and made plays. They have hit tough shots, so they're they're good. They're good enough to be dancing. They just don't feel like they're. Going to get an invite to the dance uh, the way things are trending right now because of 
how they've uh, been horrible on the road. And it's been a bad year, Elijah, for a lot of teams on the road. So they're not immune to it, but they've, they've puked away a couple of wins. We're not asking them to go win at number three or number five in the country, but some teams you're, you're better than, you can't drop those. And they've, they've been annihilated in some of them. So here is Fred on that formula for success. And that's the other thing I've talked to our guys about. When you look at our formula for success, when we take care of the ball and when we rebound, we win. And when you look, I'll just use our last three games as, a, as an example. We play Northwestern, and we took care of one of those two. We rebounded well. We out-rebounded it by 14. We turned it over 18 times, and we won a close game. We play Ohio State. We had six turnovers, and we out-rebounded them, and we won by almost 20. And then you go on the road, and we get out-rebounded, and we turn the ball over, 17 and 18 in, in offensive rebounds and turnovers, and we, get, and we get our ass kicked. So that's the formula. If you go out and take care of both, you're going to win. If you take care of one, you're going to have a chance. If you don't take care of either, you're going to get blown out. It's a huge emphasis right now because teams are pressuring us, and we got to use it against them. You know, your eyes should light up when you see pressure. You should be able to use that pressure against them and get good looks when that happens. But we're playing in a crowd too much. We're over-penetrating, over-dribbling. And if we make simple plays, when we do that, we get the defense shifted. We have a pretty darn good offense. He is absolutely right on. And the best word for Fred right now is frustrated. Because that's what it absolutely looks like and sounds like. Because you've shown the ability to be one thing at home because of your comfort level and you feed off the energy but man this team's too old and been around too long to to pack it in i mean i don't they don't physically they, they aren't quitters per se i mean they're still giving effort but from a they, they check out dude they they can be beaten into submission and they're better than that and it, it feels like it's like a two-step process whenever they lose their effort. Because first, as Fred kind of says, they try to do a little too much in, on offense. They try to dribble into traffic. Things aren't going their way, and they try to press the issue. And whenever they try to press the issue, things slip away from them even further because, again, they're trying to do too much, and that's when the effort goes. It feels like a two-step process in them losing the effort. And I think that's why it happens on the road is because uh, – it's easy for that momentum in the road environment to get to you, to get to your head. Whenever you you feel like you're putting in the highest effort you've given all game, you're, you're doing too much, things slip away from you more, and now the momentum is away from you. And that team, folding might be a little harsh. It, it, it feels it, like. but they feel sorry for themselves. Yes. that's the They way absolutely feel sorry for themselves. They're looking for calls in some instances. They, they just... They just don't keep playing. They, they feel the pressure. Yeah. And, and you can almost hear it in Fred's voice that he's feeling the pressure, too. I, I you wonder what that, that, that huddle turns into whenever you're down by eight on the road and things aren't going your way. Because, I mean, Fred, just based on the tone of his voice today, and I'm not sure if he's, he's on the money here. A lot of coaches feel the pressure a lot, but it feels like he's feeling the pressure in terms of making the tournament. I'm not sure if that means he's putting, getting pressure from the outside in terms of he thinks he might be gone. If they don't wait in the tournament, maybe he's just a high achieving guy that feels the pressure and puts that own cap on him of like, man, like he's, my, my job's not safe if I don't make the tournament. But one way or another, I'm not sure where the pressure is coming from. It feels like Fred is feeling. The I pressure. think he knows enough basketball to, to look at how critical tomorrow night is mm-hmm. because of who it is. And it's another resume builder. It's number six in the country. And then, carry that momentum with you and go go win one go steal one of these next two which you beat wisconsin 
you should be able to go hang with Illinois. You can't look like crap on the road. And they, they have too many times too recently after big wins. So now, what are you? You're, you're more than a, a one-hit wonder with the Purdue win because you've beaten some good teams. You've shown the ability to, to make some tough shots. And they, they love the show. They love it when it's going great. We talk about front-running all the time, and that's how I'd peg this, this basketball team. When things are great and it's comfortable and they're rolling, man, they love to, to be a little demonstrative, right? And the, 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 the ringleader is Tominaga. But once, you know, he gets bumped and he gets whacked on a screen and, you know, it's turn and look at the official. I mean, just shut up and play, right? And I think Nebraska fans have a monster love and hate with this basketball team because they see him at their peak. And that's hard to bottle all the time. But even a level below Purdue should be good enough to go – Four and ten on the road. You should be close to five hundred on the road. With you're better than some of these other teams on the road that have just outmuscled you. They've just slapped you in the face and took your lunch money, and that that irritates Fred. I think there's pressure because of the moment, because it could go downhill, and then how do you get it back? To your point, if tomorrow night doesn't go right, but I also think he knows what he's put into the last couple of years. He has made the changes. And he's done a good he's done a good job. I don't want change for Nebraska basketball. I don't even like talking about it. We're not even into February. I don't want to start and stir that up. That's I'm not sensationalizing that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to think about it again for him because he's a hell of a good coach and he's he's fixed it. It's just it it is further along in his tenure here than just year two, year three of what he should have been doing all along. Well, the, the irony right now to me is you've seen the clips from the team from the post-game locker rooms after some big wins. And what does Fred come into the locker room and say immediately off the bat? It's it's don't get too high, don't get too low, but let's effing go. He, that, gets, that's, that's he gets it. That's his quote, which is ironic because that seems to be the main issue for this team right now is they get way too high and they get way too low. Can you steady the ship? Can you find a, an even balance in there? He's I mean, talked about it. He's lived it. He knows it, but he needs he needs it to be picked up and, and carried on. Last thought from Fred here is on Tominaga. He was asked, how, how do you get Tominaga going? Because he's wilted a bit. And he's too good a player to uh, to not to not be um, scoring. I mean, they had it. They had it going against Maryland and then – Again, they got slapped around, and they didn't want to start throwing punches back. And obviously, he missed a couple where he was all by, all by himself, I think, on two of his shots that didn't go in, and, and that just doesn't happen very often. After making his first one of the game, he, he hit the first shot uh, to put us up. And I'll say this, you go back look at that Maryland game, we threw the first punch. We get up 10 right away. That should be, especially in an early game, a great sign. But you just when you go away from what's making you successful, it's uh, you're, you're going to struggle. And that's exactly what we did when we started turning it over. And then they just started pounding us uh, from a physicality standpoint. But, you know, we need to do a better job of finding Casey. And when we're in transition, he had a couple possessions where he was open, and we just didn't have the awareness to find him. When we were doing a great job of that, earlier in the season. Uh, CJ, you know, got it going for us a little bit. I think he was the only guy in double figures for us in that game. But, you know, we need Casey to be aggressive. Uh, he obviously takes contested shots, but he can make some of those. 
as well. And, you know, the Northwestern game, I think, was a perfect example. You got to be diligent, you got to keep moving, and eventually you're going to uh, open up and get free space. And, and that's what he did to hit the game winner uh, against Northwestern, uh, whatever it was, a week and a half ago. So, you know, we need to uh, do a better job of finding him. But the pressure that was applied by Maryland, that made it tough for us to really execute. And when you can't get the ball over half court, it's, it's hard to get a guy a shot. That's just a, a shot, and, and deservedly so. You got two guys that handle the ball that need to not suck doing it on the road. And Wisconsin's going to be in their face, no airspace tomorrow. It's not going to be UNLV, Arkansas, 1990, 40 minutes of hell, full court, but it's going to be some pressure. These guys, these guys have played too much basketball. Uh, they are not perfect. There are some shortcomings, point guard specifically, and uh, enforcer when Gary's not healthy in there. I look at Wilcher and I look at Rink as two of the guys that are going to have to drag this team forward. Not just tomorrow, but on the road when it gets tough. And they've been through a lot in their careers. Everyone else got to got to join in and be smart. Jock Doc on the way. We'll try and get you some of that McAfee and Kelsey audio before we're done. It's Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how are we doing? I'm great, fellas. How are you? We're good. We're doing a lot better than Joel Embiid. Uh, not long after a 73-point outing, uh, he got double teamed by... Jonathan Kumanga, and then, of course, Draymond Green, and uh, hilarity didn't ensue as Kumanga fell on Embiid's knee, and I think uh, Embiid was sick of not being on a jock doc, Dr. Brandon. Early in his career, he was on three times a year. It's been a while, but, man, this is tough. It looked uh, horrible. He grabbed his knee in invisible pain and ultimately limped to the locker room. Yeah, absolutely. So I was watching part of that clip. Um, you know, it sounds like as we kind of rewind on him a little bit, he's been having some issues with this knee during the season. I think the last couple of weeks he's been struggling a little bit. In fact, I think there was even a report out there that uh, he was having some swelling, maybe some fluid on the knee in one of the previous kind of articles that was there. Uh, but anyhow, you have this new kind of injury to the knee. Obviously, you pile that on top of whatever it was what was going on before. They weren't really you know, clear about what that was. So, you know, at this point, some speculation in terms of what this might be. Um, obviously, you start to go, you know, what's worst-case scenario here? That would be, you know, something meniscus-type here, perhaps. You know, obviously a big thing such as ACL. Um, well, they haven't said anything about that just yet, although I think he's getting, you know, scheduled for MRI. haven't really heard any results of that yet, if that's even been done. But those are the things you start to worry about with that kind of mechanism. But as you kind of rewind back and, and think that, you know, hey, he's had some issues here for a couple of weeks, what are we, you know, what are we dealing with? Is this kind of a lingering cartilage issue for him that maybe we're dealing with? Is this maybe a small meniscus tear that he's been kind of nursing along, and all of a sudden you get that kind of big injury out the other night and kind of finish that off? So those would be kind of some of the things we'd be kind of speculating about at this point. Dr. Brandon, when we look at Joel Embiid, just such a large dude, big guy, and, and he's had just all sorts of, problems is I mean is that just kind of price of doing business with somebody that big and that athletic not only the the knee history because I know early in his career 
he missed early time with that microfracture issue. And then you've had hip issues, you've had ankle issues, and he's in good shape for his size. Some of those big guys carry extra weight. He doesn't really. And just tell me a little bit about, you know, the wear and tear, uh, 82 games plus on his knee as he's in his early 30s. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so he has done a nice job, especially with, you know, kind of his size. I think he's been you know, pretty fit from that perspective. Um, you know, but it sure seems like this poor fellow's just kind of had a string of injuries that he's been dealing with. Um, you know, and there just are those players out there, unfortunately, that just tend to kind of just keep putting these injuries together. Um, you know, he could be one of those fellas that uh, we've talked about this before on here that maybe has kind of a subtle kind of collagen defect, makes you a little bit more kind of lax or loose in your joints. Obviously, at some point, that can be beneficial as an athlete to a point. But then you start to cross over that, you know, kind of being too loose, and then all of a sudden you start to have some of these kind of nagging injuries come up where you have the big one, the ACL goes out, or you start to have, you know, instability in different joints. Um, but, you know, you look at him, and I would say he's probably one of those folks that probably does have some type of little collagen defect that leads him to, you know, the many injuries he's had. Um, as you rewind that, I think that's a good point to remember that, you know, he's had that microfracture. Um, you know, anytime you start having to deal with cartilage-type injuries at that level, those can be things that just linger and are so tough at that level to kind of recover from just with all the wear and tear, all the training that goes into what these folks have to do to succeed. Um, those cartilage injuries just become so nagging. And so that probably is playing a role with this. You know, we've talked about a microfracture before, but just to review, you know, anatomically, what is, what's a microfracture? A microfracture essentially is when you have a, you know, a chip in the cartilage. So the cartilage is the smooth surface on the ends of the bones. Um, it's kind of your gliding surface, your articular surface. When somebody has essentially a chip in that cartilage, uh, if it's kind of over a small area, there's a surgical procedure we can do. We can drill these little tiny holes in the bone, you get some bleeding in that area, and that can kind of backfill that area with more kind of scar tissue cartilage. It's not normal, you know, new hyaline cartilage, but at least it's a soft cushion. Um, and so that's what he had had in the past. And so, again, the question mark is, is he still kind of lingering from that? My guess is probably at least some of these symptoms might be related to that. Dr. Brandon, uh, Embiid's had a remarkable career and still plenty of, of time left for him to, to go get a ring. And it, it's kind of remarkable when we talk about the stress fracture and, and he had that uh, microfracture issue and, and the, the foot. I mean, just he's just kept on battle. And what are some precautionary treatments out there obviously the 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 rest and load management's probably a real argument for somebody with with his mileage Uh, that being said what from a medical standpoint is out there for him to do I mean he's always probably got to stay somewhat active or in shape uh, even in the off season to, to to be right come come season time so what are things that that he can do or what's what's a possible regiment that that keeps him ready to go and, you know, able to, to, to battle through some of these injuries. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, for him, just from, um, you know, the exercise fitness perspective, he's a guy that in the offseason, you really want to get plenty of rest from a lot of the higher impact activities, you know, the big jumping activities, a lot of the plyometric kind of heavy impact type things. So he's a guy that you probably move more towards a lower impact, like a biking, elliptical kind of cardio routine for him in the off season, just to help with the load management. 
Um, and then you also think about some of those things, too, just some of those reps that he's going through, some of those high-intensity impact reps he goes through in practice during the season. So you want to think about limiting some of those. Again, all about trying to take weight or that load management program and try to minimize the impact of the cartilage. Those things you can do there. We talked about the weight issue. That's super important. Um, he's maybe a guy you go a little bit leaner on in terms of that muscle mass. If he can still play at a good level, appropriate level with maybe cut trimming down some the muscle mass, that's less load. Um, from a restorative perspective, you know, there's not a lot of great kind of injection things out there that are going to restore the cartilage that at least have good data behind them. Um, there's some experimental things out there that, again, the data is not perfect on those yet. Um, things like the CR or the PRPs, the stem cells. Um, you know, surgically, what kind of things are out there? Well, if that microfracture was not super successful, if that cartilage is starting to break down, um, if it's more just kind of generalized wear and tear, not a lot of great options at that point. Um, you could think about if it's more kind of an isolated defect, maybe you do some type of cartilage transplant procedure, whether if it's putting in like cadaveric cartilage versus you know, his own cells growing them, retransplanting them. Those could be some options for him as well. Those are super long recoveries, um, and those are also things that, you know, typically if you're going to have those, we're not super excited about you going back and playing out of a little ball after that. You want to kind of use that to manage his life in general after. So those would be some kind of ideas and things that are out there for him for maintenance. Dr. Brandon, we'll get caught up again. Thanks for a few minutes today. Okay, fellas. Take care. Good stuff from Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Joel Embiid, that looked nasty as dudes were falling all over him in about mid-court. We'll see if Joel can walk it off. And out of that all-star running's kind of BS, and out of that MVP running's BS because he's had an incredible season. Well, as the Nuggets fan here. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, maybe there's another guy who deserves more anyway. I, I'm not going to disagree with you <laughs> that the joker is the bar, is the standard so, Kelsey v. McAfee. What happened this afternoon? Did they get into Taylor talk? We'll tell you next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks today to Evan Bland and Mike Babcock on a Wednesday show. Find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. It's where you can download and subscribe to Hale Varsity Radio. Hail Varsity Radio YouTube. Subscribe to that channel. Great content. Not only our show, but, uh, of course, uh, Heard at Sports in the Morning and all the press conferences and interviews you want. Uh, check that out. You want to watch the show live or rewind it. KFOR at ESPN 590 Omaha on Twitter, Facebook on KFOR, and, of course, our friends out, Cardi Hastings, Grand Island, ESPN Superstation in central Nebraska and uh, Newstalk 900 Columbus. All those ways to find us on the Hale Varsity Radio Network. Get Elijah on Twitter. Give him a follow. Made a funny joke about uh, an Aquarius head coach and how that was going to be a discussion point, a focal point today. We talked none of Matt Rule's uh, astrological sign. We did dive into uh, Rule probably, if I were to get him a gift, to be a, 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 a filet Bone-in filet and, and, a, and a bourbon, glass of bourbon, ice, a little water. You're not going to get him his, his January birthstone? Which is what? A garnet. Okay. Um, Which no. is the color red. I would call my friend Rick at Sauter Heyman to, to get it for him. Nice, nice. But I, I, I bought my wife her birthstone one year 
in a ring and, and matching earrings. And she's an August baby, and she despises that birthstone. So, which is what? I don't know. <laughs> they, they were they were lime green, kind of like cousin, kind of like cousin Eddie's lime. Oh, it's lime, Clark. That's what they looked like, and I returned it because mm. she hated it. So there we go. So uh, let's hear from Pat McAfee and Travis Kelsey. The topic of Taylor has come up. This guy's everything that we would like be a football player. And he's in love. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Guy's in love. It's, yeah. I think that's why everybody's coming back. I think you were hated for a bit. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And and hopefully everybody realizes that uh, we're just uh, we're two people in a relationship uh, supporting each other and having fun with it, man. It's it's nothing more than that. And uh, how, how much the world wants to paint the, paint the picture and uh, make us the enemy. Um, we just have fun with it, and we uh, we enjoy every single bit of it. And sure enough, I I, I love it when Taylor comes and supports me, and um, and enjoys the game with the fam and friends. Uh, it's been it's been nothing but a uh, but a, just a wonderful year, man. You guys hear the hate though, huh? You and Taylor both. I assume you hear, hear people. Do you like? Do you say why are these people? Why are these people? Is there any of those by you guys? Or because I assume she's <laughs> dealt with this forever, right? I assume she's uh, yeah, she's dealt with it forever, and we hear it but we hardly ever talk about it it's, uh, it's nothing to even talk about nothing to really bring up so that was kelsey do we have time yes no kelsey and uh, mcafee with a side of mahomes oh! hey, how are you? hey justin tucker was gonna beat your ass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he was gonna beat your ass. you know that hey pat he's gonna beat your I'll, ass. <laughs> I'll tell you pat me and me and Patrick were on the sideline in the fourth quarter when Tucker had that chance to cut the lead to one score. If he would have missed that field goal, we were 100% getting a 15-yard flag. <laughs> we were, of course he made it, of course. He can't let us have any fun. He yeah, have any fun, man. Yeah, and of course. We were always 1,000% getting flagged for that one. Could you yeah. imagine you two sprinting on the field? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That that was A lot was made of, of Kelsey and Mahomes messing with Tuck's tea but it was all in good fun back at you tomorrow uh husker legend bo reed with us brandon vogel with us gary barnett danny burke talk to you at four on hail varsity a hood at media production